everybody, and welcome to the inaugural episode of Comedy Killed, The Video Star. This is the podcast where we look at music videos that uh, we love, hate, love to hate, or just baffle us. My name is Matthew Storn. I am your host, and every other week I'm going to have a guest on, and they are going to talk about a number of music videos that they love, and possibly one or two that I have suggested as well. We're going to talk about, you know, about three music videos a show, and we're just gonna have fun with them, talk through them. Some of them are amazing, and we want to talk about our love for them, and some of them are kind of terrible, and we want to talk about that as well. This is the show that I I used to do live when such things were legal to do. I'd usually have a bunch of comedians on, and each one would pick their own music video that spoke to them, and they would kind of talk through it a bit Mystery Science Theater 3000 style, and having fun with the music videos, and just make jokes, and we'd all have fun, and it'd be a great show. Since I can't do it live anymore, I've decided to take it into podcast form to, you know, just to have fun on the internet, take it to more people, and, and hopefully, hope you guys enjoy it. You know, I, I've loved music videos all my life, uh, I've, ever since I was a kid, growing up on MTV, and I I just want to, I just, I don't know, I'm just obsessed with them. I want to talk about them. Today's guest is an old friend of mine. His name is Tyler Sonicson. He is a, what is he? He's a college professor. He's a PhD in geography, but he studies geography with relation to music and kind of the way that music works regionally. I don't know. He, he does complicated stuff, but he is he has uh, always interesting thoughts about music. So he is a great first guest. Uh, he suggested to me the topic of uh, rednecks, uh, bands fighting rednecks uh, that has evolved into the title of the show, which I call Throwing Hands, which if you haven't had a chance to watch these videos, it's funny because we found people fighting and for some reason fighting with giant hands and other magical powers. If you want to watch these music videos, the links to them will be in the show notes. Uh, so I suggest you stop and watch them before the show. And uh, if you haven't seen them before, it's it's worth a shot. Um, if you don't want to watch the videos, it's fine. We describe them and you can still probably have a really fun time listening to us talk about them. So yeah, so uh, do what you want in your life, but I hope you like the show. Uh, if you do, please rate and review it wherever you get your podcast from and please subscribe so that we can get some downloads. And I also want to thank Sarah Mann for creating our original theme music uh, that you hear her original music by the original Sarah Mann. But thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy the show. Now on to my discussion with Mr. Tyler Thompson. Bye. Hi, Tyler. How are you doing today? Hey, Matt. I am doing well. How are you doing? I'm all right. We've, we've been talking for like half an hour, but yeah, for the sake of the podcast, we'll say. The podcast is going to be less, like, less in length than the conversation we just had. No, I don't know. Well, we'll see. Yeah, so this, the you brought me uh, a couple of great videos, one from ZZ Top and one from the Foo Fighters, and then I suggested a third one that I felt like was thematically similar. The theme that you had come up with was bands fighting rednecks. Because <laughs> <laughs> those were just the first two videos I thought of for for this conversation but then you added the third one which i realized oh yeah there's that there's that kind of that yeah. well the third one is ludicrous and then that that took the theme from your second video and made it people with giant hands beating people up <laughs> <laughs> so but yeah like our first video is sleeping bag 
from ZZ Top. And I, so I had never heard this song before. And I was surprised to, on Wikipedia, to find that it was their biggest hit. I didn't realize it was their biggest hit either, but it was propelled by the success of Eliminator, which came out in 83. And then um, uh, Afterburner, which came out in 85, which, you know, Sleeping Bag was, I think the first was the opening track and the first single from it. If anyone's, you know, if you're listening and want to learn more about ZZ Top, there's a great documentary called That Little Old Band from Texas on Netflix right now that kind of covers their history pretty pretty authoritatively. And really, you know, I, I have so many thoughts about this video, but what are what are your thoughts right off? Well, here's the thing is like, I wasn't aware of this video before. And then the only thing I knew about ZZ Top is that they, uh, they told you how to get women, which was to be a sharp-dressed man in dark sunglasses. And then the types of women you should get are women who have legs but only if they know how to use them mm-hmm. and a tush and uh, they would and, you know and you want to find someone who gives you all their loving and yeah. uh, all their hugs and kisses too they ain't asking uh, for much they're not asking for much yeah that was all i really knew about zz top this song it, i find very funny because I, I looked up the lyrics because i was like is there a subtext to this and i don't think there is i think it's literally just about sleeping bags and how great sleeping bags are <laughs> Well, the way that um, this guy I used to follow is music blogger he's out of San Francisco. He's actually a very talented black metal drummer, and he he's a big ZZ Top fan. He was one of the he's one of the reasons I got reinterested in ZZ Top about ten years ago because he was so incensed that they re-recorded a bunch of their like early albums to sound like their '80s albums. Uh, but more on that in a second. But he talked about how ZZ Top had two topics. Like they, I think they've never deviated from two topics: cars and poontang that's mm. like literally what all of their songs kind of come back to billy gibbons is a, a big hot rod collector he's really into classic cars which have been kind of like souped up which is what rock and roll is it's like you know, i never would have guessed that from seeing even one zz top video well if that one zz top video is changes which just features the the, which I think came out after this, which features like kind of like a spaceship version of that classic like Hot Rod Ford from the Eliminator videos. That um, is called the Eliminator, by the way. <laughs> That's the name yeah. of the car is the Eliminator. And well, I mean, we'll get more into it in the video, but like like that is their absolute signal. Isn't it in all their videos? It's in every top video I've ever seen. Well, they they got into, they've been in the band for at least a decade when they became one of the biggest bands in the world because of MTV. And, you know, all three of the guys, just ugly, weird looking dudes who are just, you know, they've been playing together since like the late sixties in Texas. So they were, they'd always had like a very signature sound, kind of like that souped up sort of like classic rock and roll, Texas boogie, that kind of, that kind of thing. And then in 81, I don't, I think, I, don't, I think Eliminator was the, the watershed for them, but like it wasn't the, it wasn't their first album back since they'd all grown since, well not they all, but like uh, their drummer, Frank Beard doesn't have a beard, but Billy and Dusty have these really long beards when the band took a hiatus in the late 70s. And then they just, I don't know the exact story about what led to the creation of the Eliminator kind of mythology that they built these videos around, but they were very, very good for such an unphotogenic band. They were incredibly good at playing to their strengths in music videos. Yeah, it is Um, strange that you say they become famous because of MTV, because they are the least MTV looking band ever, especially in the 80s. Like, they do have a very distinctive look, one could say, like, uh, generously, I yeah. think. But yeah, I, you say that, like, they have a very distinct sound, but then the thing that really struck me most at the bit about this beginning of this song is that there are, it's all just, like, drum machine. Like, the, it mm-hmm. comes in with this, like, very 80s drum machine 
and then like a sound effect that that I don't know how you make it it's with an 808 machine or something and it but it sounds like um a Robert Palmer video like a Robert mm-hmm. Palmer song or something it's like it's so weird such a weird start for uh, ZZ Top and they'd they'd already kind of well, Bill Ham I think their manager was was the driving force behind them moving into that electro pop phase of their careers where they were at their kind of commercial peak uh, obviously aided by MTV it was all this brilliant package deal that went into it and then the videos from Eliminator which you mentioned all the hits from Eliminator earlier mm-hmm. uh, got me under pressure I don't think you mentioned that one but that's a that's a good one too um, they moved yeah they they moved into at least, you know, I think Frank Beard was, was I don't know how, how quick he was or how slow he was to embrace the hexagon drums, but, but considering how they were such a meat and potatoes blues rock band for the first decade or so of their career, I think that was part of the reason, you know, I might be misremembering what they talked about in the documentary when they kind of moved into the MTV era, but but they kind of embraced that electronic, that electronic drum sound. And I think Afterburner was 85, which was also the year that MTV, I, could, I think, peaked in terms of its it being at the cultural vanguard and influencing the direction of musicians' careers. Like you couldn't, you had to have a music video on MTV if you wanted any semblance of commercial success. Right, right. Of course, that was to the chagrin of a lot of other artists who came up in the 70s. Like Bruce Springsteen was notorious for resisting videos until turns out he was really fucking good at making videos. Bruce Springsteen was very good on camera, but he was very resistant to it for the first oh. like, years of MTV. I'll say he's good on camera, but I can't think of any really great Bruce Springsteen music videos. I think the video for Glory Days was pretty iconic. The video for I'm on Fire is great. Like he actually mm. did a great dramatic turn as this mechanic who's like the whole video is him like driving a rich woman's car up to the hills and you can tell that they've had this relationship and he's you know he was he was so good at kind of like like other artists in the eighties who just were either good on camera or sucked on camera and he was fortunate even though he hated music videos as rule of thumb uh, and I think ZZ Top knew that their strengths were not in their looks. I mean, their image was interesting, but the success of the videos from Eliminator kind of, I don't know what inspired them to decide to go into this weird sci-fi Egyptology direction that they did with Sleeping Bag. It is very odd, yeah. I mean, the the, the song and the video ends in a weird Egypt place. Well, let's, let's just start at the beginning, because... We talked sure. about how the song begins, but the video begins before the song uh, with a slow zoom into a house in the bayou where a grandmother, I assume grandmother or very old mother, reads a story to her young daughter, who then over the course of several cuts ages into an adult Heather Langenkamp, who, if you know, you only know from she was the woman from the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, she was the last girl. But it does have a bit of a setup, which it, set, it shows you the creaking floorboard, which then when the song begins, robbers break into the shack, uh-huh. who... They know the money's in the floorboard. So I've concocted this whole backstory that this was like the grandfather, he robbed a bank and he hid the money and they never split it up with these other robbers. <laughs> and now they're coming back years later. They, they, they went to jail. The grandfather didn't. Now they're out of jail and they've come to rob the, the bag of money out of the secret floorboard or something. I think you might have just put more thought into the video than anyone involved in its production has. Or no, here's what I think. They had a guy in jail and he confessed it or maybe talks in his sleep. Ah, see, this is it. It's like Night oh, of the Hunter. That's what Sleeping Bag's really about. Yeah, it's I don't know. Throwing us off the trail with the whole thing about our drugs are about, our, our drugs, our songs are about sex, drugs, and rock and roll. No. I mean, the other thing about this video is, number one, there are no sleeping bags in the video. No. And number two, it, it does have uh, quite a narrative that 
I had trouble tracking first couple of times I watched it, but I've watched it like 10 times now and I kind of feel like I have the plot it's, down. It's a great video in all the ways that so many videos from the mid 80s were great at a moment where a good video could make an artist or a bad video could destroy an artist, which is what, you know, a lot of the common argument about Billy Squire is. Yeah, but it's yeah. worth mentioning to you, the video was directed by Steve Barron, who did Billy Jean, which was one of the videos that didn't just make Michael Jackson as an MTV star, it made MTV as a network. Um, yeah, I so that was I looked at I saw the video was directed by Steve Barron and I was like who's this guy and I realized he directed a shit ton of videos and oh, some yeah. real classics because later on in the video there is some animation and I was like this looks familiar and it's because it's the same animation from the Aha Take on Me video mm -hmm. which is also directed by Steve Barron yes. Very kind of crude CGI. The best way to describe it is is kind of like stop motion animation, but but hand drawn. I don't even. I'm not a very scribbly. Yeah, it's very odd. But but of course, ZZ Top show up periodically throughout the video as these guardian angels. Yeah, they're like guardian angels. That is that scene where they show up and they make a tent with their hands yeah, yeah, yeah. free so that the heroes can sleep in this tent. So maybe Did that's that a sleeping bag. Wow. See, that's the thing I love is like, you know, as the video is going on, there's like interstitial bits where ZZ Top shows up, does synchronized hand movements, and then magic happens. Those synchronized and I, hand yeah, movements I love, came to define their iconography. I mean, it, it is it is very much a thing in a lot of their videos. And I think in a lot of their videos, they often are like benevolent over like semi deities. Mm -hmm. that kind of, you know, like guardian <laughs> angels who then just like show up <laughs> with their car of sexy women that has no fewer than three sexy women that I like to call the uh, the brides of ZZ Top. Even though they're never seen, I don't think they're ever actually seen within a million miles of ZZ Top themselves. No, but there's like, there's often like cuts that imply they're in the same place, but you never actually see them in the same shot. Uh, that classic music video technique. Yeah. Okay. So the, the robbers, so I want to get back to this plot because I want to break this down and I don't want to get too far off. So the robbers, they break in, they try to steal the money. Heather Langenkamp slams a window down on one of the robbers. Did you see who this robber was? You're going to have to remind me. It is uh, Tracy Walters. Tracy Walters. Who is not somebody you whose name you might know, but he's in like a million movies. He's in Repo Man. He's oh. in uh, the Batman 89. So he's, he's a in that guy from that thing. Yeah, he is in almost every uh, Jonathan Demme movie. Oh. He's in Silence of the Lambs. He's in Philadelphia. He's in Married to the Mob. He's I was in. Worried. I was genuinely like concerned that you were going to tell me it was Robert England and I would be like, fuck off. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, that would have been great getting them back together. But no, you know, he's in like a million movies and for some reason he's in this music video. I, yeah, I was looking at his filmography. His filmography kind of goes off a cliff after Jonathan Demme dies. The last good movie he's in is The Manchurian Candidate. But yeah, he, his, uh, he had a big 80s. But yeah, he's the plate of shrimp guy from uh repo man <laughs> so the oh the other piece of cast that who's in here is there's a male lead who shows up riding a bike so as she's fleeing her own home from these robbers she runs into a man on a bike who's riding his bike through the forest in the middle of the night right and th there's a weird shot where like i don't know if she runs into him for some reason he falls off his bike and she drops the money and then the robbers see the bike and they seem to be confused about whether that's the money for a second like it seems the bike seems to really confuse these men but it gives uh, them time to run away and they end up at a cliff edge where they can't go anywhere but then magically zz top show up they do synchronized hand motions that create a bridge a cartoon bridge across yeah, the, the, the take on me bridge 
Yeah, it's yeah, it's the, the yes, the memorial take on me bridge, and it allows them to get away. And I, I just, I don't understand. Yeah, it is, it's such a weird way to inject yourself into this music video, as the, this is your music video. It's a, you know, it's just like any other southern goth, gothic sci-fi hillbilly folk tale mixed with a dash of Egyptology. I mean, I feel like it's pretty straightforward. Yeah, it's kind of Night of the Hunter meets Who Framed Roger Rabbit meets Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Yeah, it's just kind of like all over the place. Then they escape into the woods and they're like, what do we do now? And then ZZ Top shows up and gives what was the most obvious bit of assistance, which is that they tent their hands together and create a real physical tent yes or these two materializes it materializes that these two people who are strangers then sleep in i mean it was a 1985 video romance you know everything is there's the problem presented and it all gets solved in the span of a few minutes zz top sleeping bag girl fleeing her house with a bag of money what looks like yeah it looks like a bayou house like a shack that she lives in in the middle of the woods with a bag of money uh chased by these hillbillies uh runs into this guy who's biking through the forest in the middle of the night who happens to be right. john die from touched by an angel if i'm not mistaken yeah i saw that on the wikipedia that he was on that he yeah. played andrew who was the angel of death on touched by an angel <laughs> I, I know nothing about Touched by an Angel besides oh, I, this is Reese was in it. I, this is all Wikipedia knowledge for me. But yeah, so they stay in this tent, which apparently is an invisible invisibility tent because the robbers can't find them. But then we cut to what is some pretty great 80s badassery, which is that the robbers have a monster truck, <laughs> uh, which yeah. is apparently uh, one of the great monster trucks of the 80s called Barefoot, which I don't remember yeah. Barefoot. The, like, the celebrity cameos in this video were tight. Even even the truck was a celebrity. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and also, for anybody keeping track out there, Bear is spelled B-E-A-R foot. <laughs> <laughs> it's not fair, oh, but cute. like a like a, I think they call those paws, but you know what? What? Who am I? <laughs> but yeah, it, also, so, it does a great cut to the interior of the giant wheel, and it zooms out onto the truck. You know, yeah, like yeah, the wheel of the monster truck that these hillbillies are driving. That's why you hire Steve Bennett. Yeah, which through a landscape which can only be described as the polar opposite of the landscape for the first half of the video of like. The bayou, which is also next to a giant mountain valley with like a huge chasm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just like very brown scrubland mountainside. Very odd. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like the, the Great Smoky Mountains. And then they go to what what is, I guess, the desert. But there's also uh, the Pyramid at Giza. But well, it's not we'll get to that. Right there. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> but uh, but, but they're, well, they're suddenly in the desert. Like, they, it's a crime against geography, and I won't stand for it. So if you're looking for logic, I've got the great <laughs> next scene for you, which is that oh, yeah. uh, ZZ Top, trying to assist them, does the most logical thing, which is the drummer, Mr. Beard, he rolls a cartoon ball at them, which then, when it reaches their feet, dissolves, and holy shit, it's the key to the Eliminator. Yep. So everyone was probably wondering because this was ZZ Top's big return after they they became one of the biggest bands in the world in '83, and their videos were playing around the clock in '84 as well. So people were like, "Oh, new ZZ Top video! Wait a minute, it's been two minutes and we haven't seen the Eliminator yet. What the hell?" But then the Eliminator drives up, so it's already running, and then they get in, which begs the question: like, what do they need the keys for? Because. <laughs> <laughs> because then because then the other thing is that they drive for a little while to get away from the monster truck which 
by the way, if you're in a regular car and being chased by a monster truck, I feel like you could number one, outrun it. And number two, I feel like if you just drove for about 30 minutes, the monster truck would just run out of gas. Yeah. <laughs> It's just not, like running. A, it's just like running away from an alligator. Just zigzag. Just driving a zigzag, and the monster yeah. truck can catch you. I feel like this is a, this is a pro tip for anybody out there being chased by a monster truck. Um, <laughs> you can outrun a monster truck. All right. Well, I'm, currently, um, I'm currently in Florida, so that's a very real possibility. It's a, it's a possibility. Yeah, but they only drive it for like 50 feet, and then they immediately get out and hide in a bush and then the car drives off by itself anyways which also just like because i mean we've never seen that car with fewer than three hot babes in it so <laughs> presumably there are three other people in the car at all times so again the keys were pretty pointless maybe the keys are more of a talisman and uh like a ward against evil in zz top's endless fight against uh evil forces in the universe i don't know well, is they're, that why the characters are, who are all dressed for, the hot babes are dressed for a funeral and they go and pray to the almighty ZZ Top? Oh, no, no, that's later. Oh, well, it was like right well, after the scene in the desert. It is. The desert. Well, well, then what happens is the monster truck chases the Eliminator. And on the way to, to getting the Eliminator, it does crush just like two random cars that are just like sitting, <laughs> which, is like, which is like them saying like, hey, 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 we know there's a monster truck in here. We weren't going to not crush some cars, okay? <laughs> That's I what's mean, not going to happen. It's like Jackie Chan. It's like Jackie Chan at the end of Cannonball Run. You know, you paid for him, so you may as well have him kick some ass. <laughs> weird analogy, but that's fair. I think um, it's a perfectly good one, personally. I see what you're saying. So then here's and then here's what happens. This is the, the final end of the Eliminators. They get in bulldozers, and then they play chicken with the Eliminator and destroy it. Mm -hmm. And... And the best thing is that when they don't show you the Eliminator being destroyed, because I imagine that was a bridge too far for ZZ Top, because they were they love classic cars so much they won't want they don't want one actually physically destroyed. So it cuts away at the last minute. You may spare that. But after the Eliminator strikes the bulldozers, it cuts to ZZ Top and they fade away as if the Eliminator was their source of power, I think. <laughs> you got me. Yeah, I don't know. I just I feel like uh, it's so strange. But then they have the money. And then uh, my favorite is the next scene, which is all in blue filter. And it is the couple next to a car-sized grave, <laughs> <laughs> implying that they have buried the Eliminator. <laughs> and this is when the uh, three hot babes that were driving the Eliminator, the brides of ZZ Top, they show up in very hot funeral attire. <laughs> it's like dress sexy at my funeral. Exactly. Attire, you know. They they all bow their heads mm -hmm. and a spaceship version of the Eliminator comes bursting out of the fucking top of the Great Pyramid of Giza. No, yeah, well the no, you're like the keys fade away. I believe. And then you see a stop motion control room start to assemble itself around ZZ Top. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They all have like the close up shot of them getting really in the game. Yeah. And then cut to the Great Pyramid of Giza. Why are we here? Oh, it's because ZZ Top spaceship is going to blast out the fucking top. <laughs> <laughs> What's and funny about that? Besides the obvious is that that's not even like the 50th weirdest conspiracy theory or or like theory I've heard about the pyramids and aliens. I don't know. I think that the fact that if somebody told me that there's a legit theory that ZZ Top keeps a spaceship in the Great Pyramid of Giza, I feel like that's the weirdest theory I've ever heard. <laughs> okay, about. top 10. Uh, definitely top 10. The thing I thought about that was like, they have destroyed one of the most the historic... The world. Yeah, yeah, it's like one of the world. Yeah, it's like all to recover 
conservatively like maybe five thousand dollars <laughs> because the other thing is like the robbers after they destroy the eliminator they get the bag of money so there's not even any peril for this couple they've left this couple alone because they have the money they have what they want so zz top is just trying to capture these guys to get the money back and in order to do this they've destroyed <laughs> an egyptian landmark like this this is an international incident this yeah, is... the cover of the single, like I think the seven and twelve inch single releases of Sleeping Bag, featured the image of the pharaohs. Uh, I don't know what the proper term is. I'm not up on my Egyptology, but like yeah, the big headdress. Yeah. yeah, the pharaoh's headdress. There's like a cat head with the pharaoh headdress. Like I think a sphinx with a pharaoh headdress. <laughs> so. I don't know, honestly, like I feel like this would require much deeper reading to figure out where the Egypt connection came in, but they featured it very prominently in the single artwork. Yeah, well, it's either wearing like a sleeping mask or like cool big sun, like really big sunglasses, like those glaucoma sunglasses. Oh, yeah. <laughs> very odd. It's yeah, I don't... actually, no, it's not, it's not the cat. I, I, was, imagine, I was imagining the cat. It's the, it's the pharaoh. Yeah. Supposedly a pharaoh. I, I imagine that someone in ZZ Top just wanted to do an Egypt video. And keep in mind, this is six years before uh, another Steve Barron collaborator, Michael Jackson, did his Remember the Time video with Eddie Murphy in Ancient Egypt. That's um, but yeah, no, someone in ZZ Top Camp might have been like, you know what, I want to go a different direction with these videos. Let's go into to Egyptology. I want to have the Great Pyramid. If we could destroy it, that would be great. But see, that seems like they hate Egypt. <laughs> but see, here's the thing is like, now here's my new theory. Do you think that ZZ Top are ancient spirits from Egypt? Like they were their former Egyptian gods? Like they were once worshipped as gods in Egypt, and now they wander the earth doing good and trying to help people. Hmm. I think no, you know what? That's dumb. That's dumb. No, <laughs> no, I think it's either that. No, Matt, you know, don't, don't discount it so easily. It's either that. Or they're just three old rednecks from Texas who've been smoking weed semi-professionally for 50 years. I think it's one or one of the, maybe it's a combination mm. of the two. I feel like they're putting a lot of good in the world, which is which I respect about ZZ Top. They're still touring. I saw them a couple years ago and they're great. They're pushing 70 and they're, they're tight as hell and they're fantastic. Mm. So I think that maybe the secret was... Maybe maybe their secret to, to long life is, you know, in the Pharaoh's tomb. Maybe. Maybe they've just maybe they've just uh kind of conjured up some ancient ancient spirits. Maybe there's something there that, you know, ZZ Top knows that we don't. Have you considered that the current members of ZZ Top are actually different people with big, big beards? No. <laughs> All right. I'm just putting it out there. I'm not saying that's true. I apologize for not yes ending this, this idea, but I think Billy <laughs> Gibbons, Dusty Hill, and Frank Beard uh, have always existed and they've always been old. That's another theory. I don't think they were ever under the age of 50. Well, we've established that they existed during the time of the pharaohs in ancient Egypt. So, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Frank then Beard is Ramses there. Yeah, that's it. Uh, I was thinking he was the, they were the, the gods set Horus and Ra. <laughs> I wish I'd read up, I wish I'd read up more on, yeah, Ra. Oh yeah, they do fly into the sun at the end, so that's them rejoining Ra. So yeah, so at the end they bring their spaceship around and they zap a barefoot with a sketchy laser, which is to say a laser that is a poorly animated sketchy laser. Yeah, <laughs> Take on me laser. And then they fly away and the brides wave and all the, the couple wave. And then, yeah, they fly into the sun. And then we are promised that they will return because at the end it says okay. to be continued. <laughs> Which I don't think they ever did. I really think that, that they just kind of forgot about that. However, um, 
one thing, one detail that you missed was that similar to the Eliminator, they couldn't actually destroy that car. They also couldn't actually destroy Barefoot. So what they did was, and this was even less convincing, they just showed a monster truck tire falling on its side. They, yes. you, don't actually, you don't actually see the truck and you don't actually see anything happen to Barefoot because that truck was probably insured for an ungodly amount at that point. <laughs> yeah, I, I forgot to mention that. Yeah, they're, the tire falls over and then it cuts to Barefoot still just just parked on the side of a road yeah. like it's not falling over it's just still still totally upright it's like so wait what and then Did, then all the money just no falling? country for old men's out the door of the car. yeah yeah and then the, the cops show up and arrest him and so whatever justice is done and it's a happy ending so i yeah i just assumed in the next video they showed up somewhere else with with their new because now the hot rod is a spaceship yeah it's i don't remember zz top ever continuing i mean there might have been like a home video release or something like that where they kind of further established this universe but from what i remember like the stuff that they were doing in the late 80s was just them gradually trying to get back to their blues rock shit like i think that it was mm. you know i don't remember zz top kind of expanding upon what they did with sleeping bag but i do think it is to me this is i think one of the quintessential like videos that could have only existed in that moment when mtv had this like unprecedented a historical level of cultural hegemony right um, you know and the fact that there were millions of people that were just craving a new zz top video there was a time in both of our lifetimes uh just barely within both of our lifetimes that 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 the people were just clamoring for more zz top so they just decided you know what let's spend all that money on these aha lasers <laughs> yeah uh, it's such a strange this is the thing is i i love music videos because i love art made by people on cocaine and i <laughs> I feel like this is very much you've come uh, to the right place yeah this is very much in that vein of just like here's a high concept say so it's 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 kind of like night of the hunter meets i don't know a lot of cocaine it's it's just <laughs> what the history channel has become yeah pretty much anticipates what the history channel has become which is just these like these people in wearing you know dressed somewhat nicely pontificating you know they don't have they don't have degrees from accredited institutions but they're pontificating about what really was going on and you know who really built the pyramids zz top oh, zz yeah. top is ancient alien mm -hmm. and now we've seen their spaceship yeah it was the big reveal and then you know to be continued maybe it wouldn't it wouldn't put it past them to you know since they're still around like maybe they're just working on the sequel to sleeping bag right now uh, is it like hammock like yeah. <laughs> the sequel anyway forget it but yeah it, here's a funny thing oh wait uh, i just got it yeah Ooh. you just got no I, I... <laughs> shut up <laughs> so the sleeping bag uh video one of the one of the most interesting things on the wikipedia page and i don't know if this is why you you, ch you chose this next video but it says that the early scenes in the video inspired the video Everlong by the Foo Fighters. It actually wasn't, it wasn't why I chose it, but I remembered the Everlong video. And I was originally, when you, when you contacted me about this, I remember thinking, what's a video that would, that, you know, like, cause there are videos that you kind of have to be showing for like scene by scene and commenting on. But one video that I think is very good and the song is very good. The director is very good, but there's a part at the end of the, Foo Fighters Everlong video that makes my blood boil. But we can get to that when we get to it. Okay. So Everlong, uh, it's the Foo Fighters, which is Dave Grohl's band that he formed after Nirvana broke up. And I think it doesn't matter that Foo Fighters has now gone on like 10 times as long as Nirvana ever did. It'll always be the band that Dave Grohl made after Nirvana broke up. <laughs> I feel like Foo, Foo Fighters have, uh, I don't know, I feel like they've eclipsed 
you know, Nirvana was already broken up by the time Kurt Cobain died, effectively. Really? Yeah. I don't know. But see, the thing is, like, the other day, I heard um, This Is A Call, which is the first, which I think was the first single off their first album. And I was like, oh, this sucks. This is so bad. <laughs> I was like, how do we let this keep, why do we, how do we let this keep going? I, I, I don't but know. The color in the shape was so good. The first Foo Fighters album has its, has its adherence. Um, it's also all Dave Grohl. Like it's a solo album by Dave Grohl. Right. Yeah. He, but, he played, he played all the instruments on the first one and he played most of the instruments on the second one too. But by the time the second one came around, he had a touring band, which was composed of Pat Smear, legend who had been in Nirvana. He'd been Nirvana's like touring guitarist, uh, also of the germs and yeah. you know, punk rock legend pat smear and the, the rhythm section from sunny day real estate who broke up about 13 times between 1994 and 1998 but nate mendel still plays in the foo fighters today and he's he's featured in this video he and pat smear are the the hillbilly rednecks who chase after dave grohl and taylor hawkins yeah uh, throughout the videos kind of like dream sequence to reality back to dream sequence kind of but, Michelle Gondryism. But I don't know. I, I I think that, yeah, the color and the shape, I was looking through the track listings and I was like, oh, there's some good stuff on here. But I don't know. The, the Foo Fighters, I'm kind of torn about the Foo Fighters. I, I'm, I don't know where I stand on them. I, 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 I don't respect them as much as I do Nirvana <laughs> and I never will. I think Dave Grohl seems like a really fun dude. And yeah, this video is legitimately really great. Part A lot of that is Michelle Gondry and his incredible gift for visuals mm -hmm. and yeah that i would say that this has like extremely solid dream logic that makes sense <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, the, that's the best thing about dreams is that there's no limit to what you can sell to an audience if a character is dreaming yeah but i mean like that is something I've, I've learned from watching a lot of music videos is that a fair number of them use what is the worst cliche in all of writing which is like it was all a dream and <laughs> that's fair but this one actually like really works as a dream because it like it uses kind of most music videos have a weird dream logic to them anyways like the one we just covered i think really yeah. doesn't have much of a logic to it well actually it does and the video does begin, Sleeping Bag does begin with the little girl falling asleep, doesn't it? Well, it begins with an adult, Heather Langenkamp, aging up and do, I don't know. I don't know how it, be, yeah, I guess yeah. so. It also predates, and I forgot to mention this, it also predates The Princess Bride, which was, which Rob Reiner presented as a frame narrative of the old man reading to his grandson, Fred Sa uh, to, uh, Do Fred you really Saturn. think that Rob Reiner ripped off the Sleep Bang music video? You know what? I feel like we need to make at least one controversial statement, and I don't think we've really gone there yet, so yes. My controversial statement is ZZ Top is a different group of guys and a, and a bunch of fake beard. Okay, I and mean, that's what we're going to run with. But, uh, yeah, this is fun. I mean, we we we, we start out with with Dave Grohl and uh, who's who is it in the well, bed with him? Taylor Hawkins plays his wife. Taylor Hawkins, yeah, and they're asleep, and then they're having dreams. And in his dream, he is they're Sid and Nancy. It's a reference yeah. to the Alex Cox film Sid and Nancy. And then in her dream, it's Evil Dead. Uh, yes. it, but yeah, I don't know. He's dressed as Sid Vicious in a party. Some rednecks come into his dream and start attacking her, and he gets very angry. And as you do when you're very angry, your hand gets very big. Just your hand. Your hand, just your hand hulks out. And just the one hand, too. Uh, yeah. His one hand gets, like, super, he's like, oh, I'm so angry. And he, like, looks at his hand. And his hand grows ten times its normal size. And then he starts just, like, smacking these guys with his open hand. <laughs> <laughs> and, it's, and it works, like, because yeah. Michelle Gondry makes it work. Oh, yeah, it's totally. Like, and I was like, yeah, this makes sense. And then to death. 
He beats them to death with his giant hand. Uh, and you know they're dead because they just dissolve into skeletons. But then cut to her dream, where she is in the evil dead cabin, and then the rednecks show up in that dream. So somehow defeating them in, in her dream, or in his dream, yeah, it's so complicated. But there's a giant telephone, which turns out to be uh, his telephone ringing. And then when he picks up the phone in his real bedroom, it's her calling from her dream. <laughs> and then he goes back to sleep. Am I missing something? I'm, I'm, I, don't, I don't think you're missing anything. I think that your, your recap is, is you're doing about as well with the recap of this video as anyone can. You know, it's, and the thing about Everlong that I, this is why the ending of the video makes me so mad because it's the best song on The Color and the Shape. It's probably the best song that Dave Grohl's ever written. And they spoil it because they run out of space in the song with the story that they're trying to tell, with the weird kind of dream frame narrative they're trying to tell. So they do this really bad edit, and then Pat Smear and Nate Mendel both like. On no, the yeah, wait, yeah, I don't want. Oh, wait, don't. I don't want to talk about that yet because I want to okay. get to that because yeah, it, they. I don't know. They escape. I don't. I, one of my favorite parts is I have two really favorite parts of this, and one is when she wakes him up, and then he has to go back to sleep to go into her dream, which I love. This is kind of Inception rules here i feel like there's uh this is i think if anybody's ripping anybody off it's christopher nolan ripped off all right so third controversial sure. statement christopher nolan ripped off michelle gondry's everlong video Good hack uh yeah and yeah so uh, but i love he goes back to sleep and he starts dreaming about women and a bunch of women and then he had all these like women's legs are across his chest and then it fades into him carrying firewood in her dream which is i love that cut it's so mm -hmm. perfect because then some of the firewood still has shoes on and <laughs> and then and then he has firewood nunchucks which is such a uh, fun visual as well which he which he brings into the cabin but then immediately discards and then just makes his hand giant again yeah <laughs> It, it, it's just it's such a huge buildup to the nunchuck fight and then he just doesn't use them yeah because he swings them around and you're like oh somebody's gonna get their head he's gonna get fucked sure. up with some wood nunchucks and then he's just like you know what no i've got my big hand <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh yeah and his hand just grows really big and the thing that another thing to, to dave Grohl's credit um whether or not like you know whether or not you 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 can't listen to the Foo Fighters without thinking about how much more you like Nirvana's music. There's mm. no way in a million hells that Kurt Cobain or Chris Novoselic would have done this video. No, yeah, I would say, I, like I said, Dave I think he's so good on screen. Like, and, you know, he's he's very funny when he's been on Saturday Night Live. Like, he's always he's always been a good personality. And like the fact that he had a chance to front his own band now, like, and this was Everlong was sort of the Foo Fighters really coming into it as like a not just like a, like an actual band. First of all, it wasn't just Dave Grohl's solo project. That he was working shit out after Nirvana ended, but mm -hmm. yeah, no, I, 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 like I said, I think he's a fun guy. I, I like, I think uh, this fight is one of the funniest uh, Saturday Night Live sketches yeah. I've ever seen. <laughs> or he plays the, reunion. yeah, the, the band reunion at the wedding. <laughs> I think that's so. I think that's hilarious. Yeah, I'm just saying that I, I, I just don't. Uh, I don't think it's as good, and that's not. It's, it's a high bar. I don't know if it's a shitty thing to say. Maybe I'm a shitty person, but yeah. Uh, that should be the podcast title right there. <laughs> maybe I'm a shitty person. <laughs> why would, video retrospective. Why would anybody watch that? So anyway, so they get, right, this is my other second part, favorite part, is they escape and the rednecks are in the room and then they start to pull themselves apart. Mm -hmm. And then underneath their big coats is the guitar. And then the drummer sits up in bed and then the bed kind of like falls away and the drum kits underneath there. It is and a pretty cool Gondry-ish set piece. I'll give it that. 
It is. Yeah. It's like, it's like pure Michel Gondry. Like it's, it's the kind of visuals that only he does. And I love it so much. I think it, it's, it's one of the best parts of the video, but then, yeah, the fact that they just, I think this is the thing that boils your blood is that they just start playing the song at the end. Yeah. They, they tacked on an additional, they didn't even like, they didn't even like do a good job mixing it to like make it sound like the song is extended or recut the video in such a way that allows them to perform a chorus as the band. Mm -hmm. But I, now that we've had this conversation, I realized like it was probably because I mean the video for I'll Stick Around was mostly just them playing in a in a room, and the video for Big Me was the Mentos parody. Oh right, I forgot video, about that video. Which was also Dave Grohl being like doing a very Dave Grohl like all the guys in the band did a really good job, and even Nate Mendel, who's not who doesn't have that much of a personality, like was able to ham it up for these videos. But not to, not to piss on Nate Mendel, like he's a He's a solid bassist and, you know, Sunny Day Real Estate or, I, and I love, I love all the stuff he did with Sunny Day, but, but yeah, like I think Everlong was, it was, I don't know if who's, who pressured who into tacking on that additional scene where it's just them performing as a band. But I think I just love the fact that the video is just this kind of dream world that shows the band like acting in these scenes that are all homages to different horror movies. Yeah. Uh, where I guess the Teddy Boys um, and and then it just kind of, you know, comes comes apart in this weird way. And then it's just like, all right, here's Foo Fighters playing one more. Let's have one more chorus. Let's have an encore within the song. And I just thought it was dumb. I still think it's dumb, but I, I get it sort of. It does feel like uh, very much like studio interference or like label interference. Like, well, we need to put their actual faces out there and have them playing the actual song kind of yeah. at the end. You know, for all our teenage fans out there who want to see Dave Rolls beautiful face <laughs> just want um, to see him like you know thrashing those power chords and uh nate mendel playing the bass like he does where he just kind of like carries it around like a baby i will say that uh with the within the food fighters um music video oeuvre they did get really <laughs> diminishing return. that's ever been said that's what this podcast is for but the learning to fly video is extremely diminishing returns where they're all mm -hmm. playing like six characters on a flight and at one point dave girls in a fat suit or a couple of them are a fat suit one of them is playing a baby they're pilots they're like there's some weird uh, kind of gay stereotype character mm -hmm. steward and them and drag and i don't know the whole thing just feels like you guys went you got too close to the sun there foo fighters <laughs> now they're literally flying yeah but yeah i i love this yeah it's uh michelle gondry what's it, that guy i was looking to see if he still does videos he still did some done some for the chemical brothers recently which i feel like i need to look up the one the video he did for was it the chemical brothers i'm trying to remember the video he did where it was just uh you're riding on a train and he manages to loop this like urban landscape yeah, uh, that is the Chemical yeah. Brothers. It's called like Star something. I forget what it's called. Yeah, because he did the Bjork. He did those Bjork videos. Those are great. Um, yeah. yeah, his his. I, I would probably if I see his his like video collection on sale somewhere for a decent price, I'll probably buy it. See, I used to have that. You said I used to have that and the Spike Jones, uh, the two disc sets. That Spike all... Jones, where that that? Uh, <laughs> wonder if that's gonna. I wonder if that would lend us a good uh, good segue. Yeah. Speaking of which, uh, our next video is directed by the great Spike Jones. Uh, it is "Get Back" by Ludacris. Um, yeah. Uh, which is is also like so. Ludacris falls into the same kind of category as Dave Grohl, which is like, they seem like really fun dudes. 
and they seem like when they want to do like like when they want to do something fun with their video it doesn't come across as like them just being dicks like if if you two ever tried to do a fun video where they were just like fun dudes you'd be like you would never buy it right they're both seem like like really they'd be really cool to hang out with and and they can get away with kind of having really fun videos and this is a super fun video and yeah this kind of continues with our theme of i have giant hands so i must fight and the I famous punch this i have to punch this wall punch this mailbox uh, yeah but no i was gonna say this video starts with about a minute which doesn't seem like a long time but when you consider the whole thing's only like five minutes it's like 20 percent of the video of a sketch of somebody talking to uh ludicrous at a urinal do you know who this is it is fat lip fat lip yeah i when i I rewatched the video like i i this was actually a video i'm glad that you you suggested we talk about this for a number of reasons first i i actually really like ludicrous of that era of of rappers one of the ones when he's one of the people who you know i when i'm flipping through stations and a ludicrous song comes on he's you know I'm, i'm very like when i'm scanning through radio stations to see what's on like i almost i almost always stop when a ludicrous song is on and He was someone who I never, I didn't really think of him as one of my favorite rappers for much, for like much of this era, the early 2000s. Like I was listening to like the backpack, backpacker shit, like Aesop Rock, who I still love, you know, but I was not quite as, you know, outcast by that point were huge. So Atlanta was all over the place. And then you had the Jermaine Dupree shit, which I wasn't really into at that point. But, but, uh, but Ludacris always kind of bridged that, that sort of like that divide between sort of like self-effacing, like let's just have a good time, not take it too seriously, but also like party anthems. And yeah. uh, then of course he became, then he became like the one of the faces of the Fast and the Furious franchise, which you know, <laughs> yeah. good for him. I'm sure like the planets that he owns are are doing very well. But you know, oh yeah, but but his his like his like a chicken and beer and um, I can't remember which album this. Like, this is from red light yeah, district yeah red light district i mean i think those are both those are both really good and like revisiting them now i'm like why was i not listening to these back in the day yeah i mean they're all like all the they're all like bangers um stand up uh hose in a very code fantasy like oh, what's all, fantasy yeah Such like an amazing song yeah i mean they're when all I like move, just when i move you move that that's got well, oh that's yeah good incredible beat um, yeah i mean it's just they're all just like really fun banger and you like listen to them and, and they make you happy. i don't know i just I, I have yeah ludicrous is great no one's talking <laughs> shit about ludicrous here but <laughs> that's yeah. another controversial statement ludicrous can do no wrong uh the, the video the video also you know to get back into like the sort of the the dissect that's the thing is like you know for when we've done the show in person or we've done the show as a stage show uh in this format where we where you uh, comedy killed the video star the the idea was like pick a like usually a very dumb unself aware video and all three of the videos I mean sleeping bag you could make an argument about but like all three of these videos I think are very good they have great directors and I would argue that sleeping bag is not is not self aware I would say yeah, that's, sleeping... that's the argument you can make yeah I I think no because I think sleeping bag of course the uh, the Foo Fighters and uh, Ludacris and the directors that they're working with I feel like are very self aware and they're having a really good time and that comes across as easy top I think does not think they think that what they're doing is like the coolest fucking shit they also ever. Didn't give a fuck there's there's <laughs> there's that side of it there's also that I, I can see that too because they they i don't know they they basically showed up on the set and then did synchronized hand motions and then probably just fucked off for the rest of the day <laughs> <laughs> and with with spike jones it's also i guess important to remember with 
in 2004, which is when he made this video, uh, he'd already co-starred in Three Kings. This was a decade, or not a full decade, but most of a decade after the Beastie Boys videos that made him one of the most like sought-after music video directors. Yeah. Also, the Wax California video, which is one of my favorite. Like that was the video that blew my mind when I was like I was like Beavis in that Beavis and Butthead when they when they're critiquing California by Wax. The guy is just running in slow motion on fire. Yeah. No, I know exactly. Yeah, that was also that was like, and Spike Jones was also, you know, to make us both feel like pieces of shit. Spike Jones was, I think, like twenty-two or twenty-three when he did those videos. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but was this before Malkovich? Mm, no, Malkovich was two thousand. Oh, that was ninety-nine. Oh shit. Yeah, nineteen ninety-nine, two thousand. So yeah, being John Malkovich was a big hit. Uh, it kind of established Spike Jones as this auteur filmmaker. Um, yeah. But everyone, you know, everyone under the age of like anyone now who's under the age of sixty knows the sabotage video. Right. Like very from intimately familiar with the sabotage video and how that's I think one of the best videos of the nineties. And I think he also did the video for Intergalactic. I could be wrong. He might have done no, the video. No, that's um, Adam Yock did that one uh, oh. under his pseudonym, which is like Hornblower. Oh, Nathaniel Hornblower, right. Nathaniel Hornblower, yeah. But, uh, but anyways, but, so sorry. It with Ludacris walking into the men's room, and these are just his arms. It's not like an Everlong yeah. where like the hand grows giant. Like these, he already has these gigantic arms. And he's just, Never acknowledged, like, but yeah. completely works. <laughs> going, to, going to the urinal. Uh, uh, yeah, he's going to the urinal. Uh, somebody sidles up next to him. It's uh, Fat Lip from The Far, the far Side, side. who had done videos with with, with Spike Jones, Jones before. Yeah, yeah, the drop is an amazing video for mm -hmm. a great. Uh, hip hop song and uh, is a Spike Jones uh, joint, um, which is ironic too because Fat Lip has almost next to nothing to do with the video for Drop, which is no. just a little irony. But he did uh, on that on that uh, collection of Spike Jones videos. There was a solo one that he did with Fat Lip, but we're not here to talk about Fat Lip. But oh yeah, yeah. what's up, Fat? What's up, Fat Lip? What's up, Fat Lip? Yeah, one um, of my favorite one of my favorite songs from anyone in the Far Side in the Far Side family. It's such a good. Such a great song. So this starts off with like a minute of comedy, which the first time I watched it, it kind of annoyed me. But then I watched it again today and I was like, I'm, I'm into this. I like this. Yeah. Because it was kind of like, it's that thing you got on hip hop albums, which do they do anymore, which is like the sketch? Oh, yeah. The, the sketch. Is that still a thing that happens? Oh, absolutely. I mean, oh, granted, you know, my reference, my reference point, it was it was kind of perfected by I don't I don't know. Like, that's that's a conversation for someone for someone who like with an encyclopedic knowledge of of golden age hip-hop because mm -hmm. uh, i feel like when hip-hop was kind of emerging in out of its golden age into the point where it dominated mainstream pop music in the mm -hmm. early 90s i feel like wu-tang clan kind of perfected the sketch uh, method man and you know people who eventually would make their names as actors as well like were were very Man. good at, at those sketches there's um some really good i i I recently found a copy of David Banner's Mississippi album for cheap, which I bought and re-listened to, and and it's okay. And there's a there's some sketches on there that are really good. They're like you know just a minute of him just just uh it's just him like bitching about people. Oh okay, <laughs> right. So the sketch I don't know. I just feel like the sketch it seemed like such a big thing in the '90s, especially. And then I felt like I don't know. And I'm not listening to whole hip hop albums really that much anymore. But it just felt like I was like they can't possibly still be doing this because it was always such a weird thing where like rappers wanted to be comedians, and I was like, why you're already rappers? Just stay rappers. <laughs> you're fine. It was a, it was you know a chance, especially especially in like the mixtape you know the world of mixtapes. It's a it can either be a time filler or it can kind of like you know sort of 
enhance the continuity or sort of you know tie tie various tracks together uh you know it'll always be it'll always be a part of it you know whether or not it's whether because there's also you know living in the age of spotify and play in the playlist era and the uh the, the algorithm era it's not necessarily like people if you if you have a playlist they're not going to include the sketches even if you have like classic 90s hip-hop playlists like it's not going to include sketches that were in between tracks it's going to include the bangers right but it's interesting because there's there's absolutely you know i think it, it provides a really good intro to the video and it is a almost a homage to the 80s where the video would start like a minute before the song did <laughs> yeah and, that's fair. and that obviously kind of i think that's something that that artists particularly you know kanye west with the runaway short film that he did you know in the youtube era it's absolutely come back in because there aren't restrictions there's no one there's no one in a suit or there are fewer people in suits saying you got to start exactly with the chorus at minute at zero minutes zero seconds of the video he has to just you have to get right. people to, to not switch the channel it's not like that anymore so but yeah i don't know i guess it was just the first time i watched it or the first few times i watched it it struck me as self-indulgent but then this time i i do how it is like fat lip is legitimately kind of funny in this mm. But uh, so, yeah, and then uh, Ludacris starts singing and he beats the crap out of Fat Lip, including like bending him, bending him backwards, across, <laughs> uh, which is a very funny thing, like where he's like up against the wall, he's upside down and backwards. But yeah, and he's just they're very much laying into the uh, Popeye iconography of having just giant forearms and big fish. <laughs> he even does like the wind up, the Popeye wind up punch at one and point. He's got a and he walks out of the bathroom and the song starts. He has a parade for himself where he's, I guess, the Grand Marshal. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is like, I don't know what. So th they go out into the streets of what I assume is Atlanta. Well, actually, he's like no, dragged. LA. Oh, is it LA? Okay. This is a very LA video. This was because, you know, Ludacris is 90s, his like late 90s kind of millennial point of his like because like the early videos he did were were atlanta based but this is 100 percent la like the, the streetscapes that that he's running around on i guess uh, that's why it goes by so many strip malls yes the strip malls i mean not that atlanta isn't loaded with strip malls too but um also fat lip is uh, the far side or an la group so oh, yeah. I think this was this was the point in his life slash career where he'd kind of made that transition to la even though he still reps atlanta like this is a very la video this is hollywood palm ludicrous you see that you see the palm trees that's also a clear indicator i didn't see the palm trees it's it's yeah. night but <laughs> i say he he exits the, Wait, the, palm uh, tree, the palm trees disappear at night or something they like like slink back into the ground it's dark you can't you can't yeah. see when it's dark i'm not going to explain this to you listen so so he leaves the bathroom uh he's actually dragged out of the bathroom by one of his uh bodyguards which is uh, a series of backup dancers who are wearing like these check pattern dresses and hats i would call these, them school marm outfits are they school marm outfits i can't they remind me of they remind me of like like a red hat like those red hat society kind of outfits like they're dressed kind of like older older black ladies who are members of like social clubs yeah yeah i guess i can see that yeah but they make it look good yeah <laughs> but i i love yeah they're this group of of backup dancers and bodyguards and i love how like later on in the video they are just like lifting people off the ground and then tossing them into the stratosphere like yes. they just disappear off the frame and <laughs> i think that that is the why the why the fuck not part of the video i think it's oh, the yeah. point where spike jones and ludicrous both just like shrugged and looked at each other and said all right why don't we just have them start throwing people into the sky yeah which i i love yeah because the whole thing it just all makes sense You're like yeah he's got giant arms he can toss people into the sky i love where he's one of the choruses he's yelling get back and he's pointing at somebody's shoes 
Like he's just really yeah. fucking angry at somebody shoots. <laughs> and then later at a pack of dogs. <laughs> oh yeah, there's two dogs that kind of for just kind of like those two stray dogs that just kind of walk up to him as he's wandering down the sidewalk. He punches out the portion of this wall, which was very clearly like placed there for the video, as well as a um a a, a, a mailbox. Yeah. Uh, well, on... the wall thing caught me off guard because it seemed like, oh, he's just walking down the street. And then all of a sudden he punches out the wall, which really took me by surprise. And I was very delighted by, I was like, oh, we can. That's the cool thing about, one of the interesting things about LA, like if you, you've seen Los Angeles plays itself, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, the way that, you know, Los Angeles has so many boulevards that are so generic looking that there's hundreds of places that they could have filmed that. But I, I was curious because there's a couple of scenes is like Feng Wah House, which is a Chinese restaurant that he walks in front of at one point. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have time to do this, but I wanted to sort of like do a Google image, not go, do a Google search or like Google map search to try to figure out like where where the video was filmed around. No, and just just because LA has such, it doesn't have that much of a of like an iconography. To, I mean, it has like you know the a couple of like landmarks that everyone knows, but most of the city is so sprawled out and so just kind of like generic boulevards that there's so mm -hmm. many so many different places Ludacris could have been in right. the city. And I don't know if you could necessarily get away with that in Atlanta. Like, see, one of the things I, I liked is what in this video where they're going along with like. Because at one point they're on four wheelers and they go past a bunch of places which are very on well, like I don't know like the like the concept of like a rap video where I'm I'm it's everything looks very expensive and everything's very like top drawer and then they like go past a Payless shoe store and a mm -hmm. McDonald's and then at one point they're all their ATVs are parked in front of a gas station and they're and he's just dancing and he also has a um soda cup yeah. in one of the big hands which i find also very hilarious because <laughs> he's got this tiny soda cup and it is giant uh, which, is, which i feel like is all very tongue-in-cheek and very like it's part of the fun of it i'm sure the tongue-in-cheek part is the fact that he's got this giant hand that the first minute of the video he's like just taking a piss so that giant hand is holding on to his dick yeah well i think the, the best part of that is i don't think you really see it until he like goes up to the urinal and then he just puts his hand on the wall and yeah. you realize he's got gigantic hands with a matching watch. Like he's wearing a watch that is also as big as a clock. And it was weird because that's that's probably the I mean, that's probably the most Gondry ish part of this. Even though, you know, obviously this is not Spike Jones and Gondry have different techniques. But, you know, but yeah. this is well after they both established themselves as music video directors. Mm -hmm. and, you know, among the most sought after ones so i feel like that's 100 percent kind of taking a cue from that visual the, the the way the way that they play with perspective on Ludacris's giant forearms um and the fact that it's all proportional like even like the the watch and everything are still proportional and the sweatband yeah i you know what i love is that it looks it looks so natural and real except for like in the last scene for some reason he's wearing a jacket mm -hmm. and it looks totally fake it's for some reason yeah. <laughs> the more you cover it up the the faker it looks but like he's wearing a tank top through most of it and uh it just looks so seamless which i really love but yeah, I, don't, uh, I don't really have that much i don't really have any anything bad to say about this video to be perfectly I have nothing honest bad to say about this video this is great i know this that's part of the reason i suggested this is because i have watched it a bunch of times and i love it a lot but this doesn't like, necessarily what, have what to be a critique con that continuity of these three vi that the that weird sort of like those little traditions and the homages that these videos are filled with mm -hmm. i think that is the most interesting like just that thread is the most interesting thing about 
like looking at these three videos in particular and how they how like one sort of how like a led to b led to c yeah. even though the three artists that you wouldn't necessarily think of if you just like put the three artists together other than like oh yeah they all sold a lot of records that's literally all that they have in common yeah i mean that was the whole point of the show so <laughs> but no those were good picks for me now that i've gotten to the bottom of that yeah i don't know i just want to wrap up this video really fast which is that I love at the end, after he beats up a mailbox, uh, some little kids see him, mm -hmm. and then he's just dancing. And my favorite part of the song is that, like, part of the chorus is like, I'm having a bad day, don't make me take it out on you. Because I love how, like, emotionally aware Ludacris is. He's just like, you know, I'm, it's a tough day for me, and I don't want to be a bad guy. And, and then kind of the final section of the song is like, it's like, I don't want to be a bad guy. I don't want to do that. I want to have a good time. And then it's got this great line, which is like, I just want to sit back and watch the ladies get drunk as hell so I can wake up in the morning with a story to tell. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, is that story how you helped that lady to a cab and made sure she got <laughs> home safe, Ludacris? <laughs> is that the story? Yeah, is I it the story of how she got really drunk and lost her shoes and you later told that as an anecdote to some friends? Because that's kind of fun. Mm -hmm. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, I'm not really bragging about it. I just, I just find that funny. But yeah, I think of all the videos we've seen, this is the least offensive because it ends with him dancing with little kids, and mm -hmm. they seem really like just like, hey man, I just want to hang out with these kids, and not be bothered by people. Well, um, I, I'm sure I haven't read any interviews with him about the song, but you know that whole the whole sequence with Fat Lip. I mean, that happens to every. I mean, literally, like there's a dramatization. Like Donald Glover dedicated an entire season of Atlanta to basically that. Right. Like how, how Earn tries to convince Paperboy to let him man, even though they're not very close at the beginning of the series. It's like Earn talks his cousin into letting him manage him because he's like yeah, his yeah, life yeah. rock bottom, and Paperboy is so resentful of him. But that's, but yeah, that's the the classic case of you know the Atlanta rapper makes it big, and then suddenly everyone wants a piece of him. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't. Yeah, that that felt like that was very true to life. But yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I think this was this is by far the best of the three videos we watched. Though the other two were quite good. I don't know. Do you have any closing thoughts? I think that this, I, I like the idea of finding three, picking three disparate videos or even two videos that have a weird overlap and trying to like find the, trying to kind of find the connection and examine them from the point of view of like, is this stupid? <laughs> that could be, that could also be a subtitle for the, for the episode. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I like, but yeah, these are, these are three videos I really like. I actually have shown the sleeping bag video to my students in pop culture classes I've taught before because oh, really? I think it's probably the most is it's also uh, worth mentioning that this these are three different eras for music videos yeah which I think is interesting because 85 was sort of like the height of MTV's hegemony or M MTV's um, kind of monolithic status at least in the United States as music video kind of career making um, uh, cable network and then it was also before MTV started to like splinter into various like specialized shows. That's another thing that's important about 85 for MTV. And oh, then yeah. 1997 or so, the like the, the era like TRL and yeah, after the music video was no longer profitable for mm -hmm. MTV and uh, Michelle Gondry made a name for himself in directing these videos that still sort of like got the got the hipsters and music critics, you know, tastemakers, like, oh, have you seen this video? But at the same time, MTV was just trying to actively get music videos off their network because they were deadweight as far as like sponsorship and, and revenue went. And then by 2004, I mean, that was the year that 
YouTube first. It, it wasn't it wasn't publicly sh traded. It wasn't part of Google yet. But I think that was the year YouTube started. Yeah, um, but even but that would have been like like the early YouTube was just like nobody was thinking about putting. It was all like home videos and shit. Yeah. So it wasn't quite like in that area yet, but I think it was very much like when that transition was happening and when that transition to to the internet as the main conduit for discovering music and sharing music. That was mm -hmm. by the mid 2000s, like 2004 was the year that Facebook started. Social media started to dominate the way that we the way that we shared and thought about music. And I think Ludacris like bridged those two eras, but he was one of the biggest names at the time when. Yeah we were moving from like the file sharing era into the into what would become like the mp3 era and the breakdown of the album format i don't know this is the stuff that i think about when i should be doing real work yeah <laughs> well, that's all right appreciate you thinking about it and sharing it on the show yeah thanks for having thanks for inviting me to do this it's, i i i can and will talk about music videos yeah no, these, are good, so. these are very good picks yeah i like this the only other yeah i was like trying to think of other rednecks fight people videos which was your initial pitch and i was like uh the fight test video but that really isn't the same thing I haven't thought about that video in a very long time. I, it's not I very good. Change, but no, yeah. It's a shame because Fight Test is one of my absolute favorite songs, and that's such a I don't know I don't know. That, anyways, this is, another, this is a discussion for another time. I think that that'd be a good topic for for Comedy Killed the Video Star. Just like disappointing videos for great songs. Yeah, that would be a good one. Or you know or videos that are too good for the song that they're the video. Oh, for. there are so many videos that are too good for the song. That they, uh, that was one of those things from watching uh, the DVDs because I had Spike Jones and the Michelle Gondry and Mark Romanek, and there's a number of like videos on there that are just like I hate this song, but this video yeah. makes me really love this song. All right, well, you got a couple of more episodes right there. Yeah, but anyways, thanks again, Tyler. I really appreciate you you taking the time. Do you want to throw out any social media or anything? If people like looking at pictures of records, you can follow me on Instagram at at Tyler Sonic. And uh, if you're interested in the stuff that I write, music related and um, other cultural whatever stuff, it's uh, sonicgeography.com. Those are my those are my big social media socials that I'm doing right now. Okay, cool. Uh, well, thanks again, Tyler. Take care. Thanks, Matt. Bye.